0: back
1: to another episode of the ENT podcast. I'm E. I'm T. So today on the podcast, we got current Binghamton Devil and native St. Nicholas, Quebec. We got Jeremy Grolu. Jeremy, how's it going?
2: Uh, Pretty good over here. How about you
0: guys?
1: Oh, it's going pretty good. Not
0: too bad over here in the States. What's that? said not too bad over here. Not too bad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not great in Quebec. I can tell you that right now. Everything's closed for... It's been a couple of months now but not th- not a lot to do.
1: Yeah, I was I was going to ask like how like how's that going like I know like here in the states is a little bit different like a couple states are a little bit different like they're more like wide open like people like just don't care and then other states you can't go anywhere like in California. Yeah. Every business everything is closed and it's almost like an ap- apocalypse. So how is it like yeah. up there especially in Quebec? Uh, it's
2: not looking good in Quebec right now. It's been a few months where everything's been closed. Restaurants been closed. Uh, you know, every single small businesses has been closed and they, you know, the government has been giving a little bit of money to all those businesses, but, uh, it's been too long now. So, you know, uh, they're all closing down and, uh, it's again, it's not looking great so far, but I mean, uh, for Christmas, just for Christmas, we're not allowed to, uh, see our family. So. Uh, it's going to be weird this year. Yeah, that's a bummer for yeah. sure.
0: But I guess, you know, if there's a positive in anything, it's a great time to break out the Xbox or the PlayStation and just play Chell for a long time. Just get some NHL career <laughs> mode going, you know what I mean? And just go hard <laughs> with that career mode on uh, on NHL.
2: That's true. That's true. Although I don't play a lot of, of uh, video games right now, um, yeah. it's it, it's it's a good time, though. It's a good time.
0: And I think that's kind of weird. Like, I feel like there aren't a lot of professional athletes across any sport that play as themselves in a video game. Like us normal folk that aren't in of that aren't professional athletes uh, that aren't in video games. We're always like, Oh man, if I were in a video game, I'd play as myself in career mode. But I feel like professional athletes actually don't do that a lot. Um, I feel like it's not that cool. Once you get to the level where you're actually in a video game, but I'm not, <laughs> no, you, you might be able to speak to that.
2: Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's just being cocky. If you play for uh like as yourself it's kind of weird right like probably uh yeah. maybe just the first week I remember when I was in uh, QMJHL like uh, the the first video game where I was actually out I don't remember exact, exactly the year but uh, I thought it was kind of funny so like the first week I just tried it out and like had some fun with a couple of the guys on my team but yeah. uh after that it just didn't really come up where I had to actually play as myself but yeah I guess yeah. I guess it's kind of fun to to see it when when you actually play though
0: yeah I bet that's cool that's
1: cool yeah so uh kind of going with the whole quarantine life like what have you been doing like how are you staying in shape like like staying in season shape like possibly getting ready for the season to come and just i don't know how are you preparing for possibly the upcoming season
2: honestly there hasn't been a lot that's changed in like in my situation because uh, even though the gym's been closed, the rink's been closed, you know, everything's been closed. It's kind of a, it's hard for all the other players, but in my case, I kind of managed to pull some strings, you know, see uh, the the manager, the owner of the gym and then and just kind of talk through and tell them like, yeah, okay, like if I come like alone there not anybody at the gym, can I come? And like, you know, because basically asking what's the, what the government is asking is like, it has to be prior, you have to be alone, so. Uh, kind of yeah. manage to 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 do that. so basically I still go to the gym every day, uh, do my workout over there I can stay as long as I want. so I do basically like a three hour workout every day like uh, my coach still sends me to workout and uh, does stuff like that. so and even basically how it works is that um, you can have your coach as long as it's one on one it's private, right? Yeah. so yeah. Uh, we kind of just sometimes he's just there and we do the the, the, the workout. And as for the rank, it's the same thing. I, I did the exact same thing. I know the the guy who kind of works, you know, over there. And then uh, just tell him, like, listen, can I go on the ice, like, once in a while, like, uh, just alone? And yeah. uh, basically for a few weeks now, I've been going, like, something something like three times a week, maybe. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of weird to go alone again. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, you got to do what you it, got to do. Yeah, do, do. And it's better than uh, some of the guys, I guess, uh, in Ontario or whatever. They are even yeah. the guys in Quebec basically they can't do anything
0: yeah so how yeah. much ice time um, how much ice time are you getting now versus like a normal offseason like how, how, how many days are you on the ice on a normal offseason uh if you're on at three oh. now what are you like six probably five or six in the off, regular offseason
2: uh during a week I would be Well, yeah, I would say maybe four during, like, if there wasn't the COVID or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, around four because you don't want to do too much. But, uh, obviously, now, too, like, we've been working out for so long now going on the ice without even playing. So, like, you know, you got to work on certain things, obviously. But at some point, like, you don't want to gas out either and, like, when, as soon as the season starts, then you're just tired and, you know, yeah. you don't have to, the energy that you would usually have at the beginning of the season, right? So yeah. uh, you got to kind of slow it down a little bit. And uh, that's that's kind of the good thing, though, of this offseason. The fact that we have more time, you're able to work on things that uh, even like if you only had three months that you wouldn't necessarily work on. So uh, yeah. I would say that's one of the only, well, I would say the only thing that's positive yeah. about the whole like length of the, the off season right now. But uh, after a while, you're just missing the season and you're, and you just want things to start again. So, yeah. yeah,
0: I feel that you just want to play games because you're in good shape for like, you know um, the gym, you're probably in, you know, really great shape, but in game shape, it's hard to, you can't really simulate that when you're by yourself on the ice. So
2: exactly. Yeah. It, it's hard because like just to do a 45 second shift and then, you know, have something like a minute and a minute of half break, I guess, you know, it's, it's easy to say that that's what usually happens in the game. But yeah. uh, when you actually play, it's just like you have to react to stuff, you know, you have to uh, give the extra like uh, push, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's, it's different that the, the 45 seconds that you're going to actually play is a lot different than the 45 seconds that you're actually going to do during the workout.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bringing up a good point. Really?
1: I think I might be skating more than you. Like I skate three times a week, but they're like all like, on all like games like you probably just do like training uh kind of like virtual whatever uh kind of skates and more like a workout and like i've been uh actually talking to both queues because they live here and they just can kind of been doing the same exact thing and like they just want to again like a game like whether it's a pickup game and like uh they just want to get into that just because like they're sick of like just doing the drills going through cones or just shooting on probably a bare net or something like that they want to like get the feel of of, uh i don't know playing against competition and like like i said i I kind of been doing that for the past ever since like june i've been skating like
2: that oh okay so (laughs) yeah so you're lucky then you're lucky yeah i mean like it physically i feel great though like like i talked to a couple of guys uh that I played with and even played against and they're they've been all saying the same thing physically they feel great obviously I mean we've been working out for so long now and working like I said working on things that we usually wouldn't really work on right but it's just mentally it's just super hard yeah. because like you're you never know when it's going to start obviously today's different because we finally got a a, a day but still like for in our case the guys that are you know, supposed to go in the, in the AHL rather, uh, it's super hard because you're like, okay, well, is the AHL going to start? When is it going to start? So like, uh, do I have to give like a big push where I got to work on something that you would usually work on at the end, like cardio or stuff like that. Right. And like we talked about earlier, like to be in a game shape, right. But if you do it too early, then you kind of screw it at the end because you're just getting exhausted. So yeah, uh, that's, that's, I think it's really a a mental game basically because physically everybody just feels great and I, I think it's going to show at the camp whenever it starts I mean some guys are might have taken it easy because they knew they're going to have a lot of time and other guys might have worked too much obviously like I said earlier you don't want to gas out so it's kind of like you have to find that balance and mentally uh, same thing basically yeah
1: yeah so uh kind of like moving along like so kind of to start off this like we always ask this to every guest whether it's uh one of our buddies pete how he got into soccer um our other buddy that we had on nick gullow uh how he got into hockey for you 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 might be a little bit different everyone's different how they got into their main sport of what they've been playing like i got into hockey a lot different than probably what you how you got into it so how did you get into yeah. hockey? What? How old were you when you got into hockey? And yeah, go from there. Uh,
2: well, basically, I started playing hockey because of my dad. Um, my dad was also a professional hockey player. Um, so he got drafted in Calgary in second round. Uh, then got traded to Montreal, where he played a couple of games. Uh, got a lot of injuries, so it didn't help much. And then uh, basically decided to go to Europe, where I mostly grew up. So when I I was born in Levy, which is maybe like 10 minutes away from where I am right now. And um, I wasn't even a year old and we left for Germany. So uh, we spent the whole season there. So I spent six years in Germany, uh, basically four years in a city called Mannheim and then two years in Duisburg, uh, where, where again, my dad played basically. And uh, I was around two to three years old and my dad already put some skates on me. And, uh, you know, just to see him go on the ice and do what he was doing, I guess I just kind of fell in love with the game. So I think that's where it really started. And after that, um, I went two years to Austria and finally two years in France and came back in Quebec when I was around 11 years old.
1: Okay, so kind of of going from there, uh, I don't know how far your memory goes back uh yeah. what 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 do you remember from when your dad was playing over in europe like when was your first memory whether it's in germany which it would be kind of hard to remember that but uh yeah. in like austria and france like what do you remember from those like how was it different and like just basically how it was like when you were growing up between the hockey the culture uh, i don't know the city lifestyle all of that
2: yeah, well, obviously it depend uh City lifestyle was just so different from place to place. You know, uh, uh, there's, like, you talk also about culture, right? So, like, Germans didn't necessarily thought the same way as Austrians, and then France people definitely didn't think as Austrian people and German people. So, I think that was, uh, it was pretty nice. I wouldn't be able to really explain what, what was so different, but uh, hockey-wise, it, it was just, like, kind of, Again, same thing. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's just like a few like uh, different details that uh, it's kind of more of a mentality thing, not necessarily Mm -hmm. hockey wise, like uh, technical or anything. Yeah. Uh, Although I think that um, Europeans might be like, they have a different mentality skating wise. I think that was kind of the big difference, I would say, compared to here, like in Quebec or, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. where... Uh, players might be more skilled, if that makes sense. They kind of work yeah. a lot towards that. And, uh, you know, I think also like the physical attributes where like uh, players are mostly, well, not mostly, but they're more like physical. Um, so I think that's kind of the, the the difference that I really saw from from there to here. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it's fun. And like, I think it's also the fans. The fans were a lot different in, in Europe. Uh, in many different ways, you know, like here, usually you look at fans and they're just sitting in the stands, and when something happens, they stand up and they clap. But over there, it's just like uh, it's 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 crazy. Like they they just scream all the time. They always have something in their hands, and yeah. you know, it's just, it's just crazy over there. So I think that was really the main thing that I remember from that.
0: Yeah. What country would you say over in Europe is the most passionate about hockey? We know, we know Russia's got. I mean, you know, they've they've got. Good hockey culture, and in Sweden, I think Czech also has some pretty solid players. But um, from your context, living over in Europe, what fans do you think are kind of the craziest for their for their hockey?
2: Um, I would say, well, from the I can't really tell about the other countries because uh, even if I've been there, I mean, uh, it was I was just a kid, right? So like there wasn't much going on for fans. But um, if I would say between the three countries that I've been to, uh, I would say the least like crazy fans were probably in france and then it would probably be like i would say it's pretty equal between uh germany and austria it it was pretty fun over there yeah
0: cool yeah it's interesting
2: yeah so but but i I, but i heard good things though about sweden that's sweden and even finland some some guys talked to me about that and obviously russia but i've never been to russia so i can't really tell about that but uh yeah i heard some good things about the fans over there
1: yeah, it's almost it's almost like a soccer game. Like we had one of our buddies uh Pete DiLorenzo on and he's a big uh soccer guy and like you probably seen a soccer game where literally every second yeah. of the match there's fla- flags waving and sometimes there's flares being shot off and like just people going berserk and it's just crazy. So I'm assuming it's like the exact same thing in uh exactly. hockey games there.
2: Yeah. Well what I would say about that is actually that as soon as, like, you really see the passion into those fans, you know? So, like, if you're if the the, 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 the person in Europe is just passionate about soccer, he's going to be really passionate about it. And he, you know, he's going to be all out about soccer, right? So, like, he's going to wear the, the clothes of, of the team. He's going to play soccer all the time and think that he's, like, one of them. And, like, you know, it's always, like, as if, like, they were part of the team, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think it's the same thing about hockey over there. You know, as soon as they love hockey, they love their team, they're going to wear the, the clothes from their team. They're going to uh, think that they're part of the team, which is actually true because I mean uh, if, if it wasn't for these fans, I think that most of the, uh, of the teams would actually shut down, you know, they wouldn't like be there. So yeah, um, yeah. I think that's, that's really what was kind of uh, fun to watch. It's just how like passionate these, these fans were and like how much they actually loved their team.
1: Yeah. That like, like we got a chance to go see Atlanta uh, United play uh, last summer, and just watching how uh, the soccer culture is just absolutely crazy. Like over here in the U.S., I wasn't really expecting what we saw, and yeah. I was expecting it was kind of kind of be like a hockey game here in the U.S., where you see a play happen, whether it's like a big hit or a goal or something. It's, like, that's when people cheer, but it was just constant chaos. And, like, it, yeah. I, I was, like, The beginning okay, of that like, game,
0: <laughs> like, the beginning of the game, we stood up, uh, National Anthem, typical, like, everybody kind of stands up. They introduce the team, and people are going crazy, and we're, like, all right, cool. At some point, we're going to sit down. And then you just never sit down. Like, you were always yeah. standing up the whole game, yeah. which in the U.S., <laughs> That doesn't really happen in any sport. Uh, no, I, I can't think of a single sport where you, other than the MLS, apparently, where you stand up the whole time. And I think they really get that from European fans. Because I know for a fact, you know, Bundesliga and La Liga and Premier League, those fans never sit down. Like, they are up the whole time and they're going bonkers, which is wild because in the U.S. it's not, it's not totally that way. So when we went to that Atlanta United game, it was like, man, we really got to stand the whole time? All 90 <laughs> minutes of this? You know? <laughs>
2: yeah it, it's that's that's that also like makes it fun for players right Yeah. as soon as you see like the fans are just going crazy and they just love the team it just like brings a different atmosphere right so like yeah. it, it just brings like a an extra energy I guess that you didn't really have and you know like if you wake up in the morning and you're like oh man I'm tired today it's gonna be tough tonight then you yeah. go to the rink and as soon as you get on the ice you just see people like cheering like crazy and just jumping everywhere I think that's kind of yeah like a boost, I guess, just, it just, you know, brings you to another level. And again, the atmosphere just changes completely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like like, uh, the other day I was looking up, like, just like, I don't know, hockey crowd videos. It was was just random. And they were showing videos of the Elmira Jackals. Elmira is like um, an hour away from here. And their arena Mm -hmm. was probably a little bit smaller than the Devils arena and they probably average maybe a hundred people a game a hundred people oh, so yeah. it so it was almost like going to like a i don't know like a minor hockey game minor hockey game where yeah. like it's just family that's in the stands because you're just a kid is like there's no actual fans like strangers coming to watch people play and it was yeah. really weird and it was just imagine like uh that's a East Coast Hockey League game, and they only can manage uh, manage to get maybe a hundred people. And then if you then if yeah. you go to like a local junior game or a college hockey game, like Cornell, Cornell is a forty five minute drive from here. They have a smaller mm-hmm. arena than ours, and they pack mm-hmm. it and they overcapacitate just because it's such a very popular uh, tradition sport there. So yeah it's very weird yeah
2: well well if you think about it like that's basically what playoff is so fun to play that that's why it's so fun playing in playoffs because like it's it's against where like the fans are actually like starting to really like get crazy right because during the season it's just like oh maybe another game for them right but like in the playoffs it's like oh okay this is like an important one today like it, it matters and like Obviously, for players, like every game matters. Like for sure. fans, I mean, just that the playoffs is just like okay, like we're we're like slowly getting there. Like we need some wins, right? And that's when they get like crazy, I guess. And that's why, just for the players, it's just so fun to play in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, I guess growing up, um, did actually when you when you were living in all these different countries in Europe, uh. Did they kind of introduce you to their language? Like, when you were in Austria, did you learn German? Uh, did you have to learn... Obviously, you learned French because you're French-Canadian, but the French yeah. in France is different from French in Quebec. But, uh, but then did you also learn, uh, well, I guess, German again when you are in Germany? Did you have to, like, learn any of that?
2: Well, basically... Because I was so young, I I had to learn German uh, as quick as possible. So, like, uh, my first language actually turned out to be German. Um, So I could, you know, like, go see some friends and, you know, talk to everybody over there. So um, German first, then I learned English because uh, we were traveling so much. Basically, uh, you know, I kind of needed a a general language, if that makes sense. You know, everybody could kind of speak a little bit of English. So. Uh, that was the second one and then i finally uh, learned french uh, from my parents obviously so uh uh, obviously now tables kind of turned around right like uh, i speak french most of the time and english just during the season and german it's been so long now uh, i can understand it most of it actually but uh speaking is hard so it's always it's always easier to language so it's easier but now nowadays i would be curious to actually like spend spend a week you know in in germany or whatever in austria and then see how it's gonna go
0: yeah kind of going off that um when you were when you were younger i think one thing that's really interesting um is the fact that you said your father was originally drafted into the nhl right and then went over to europe after uh, a couple of seasons or so right yeah and so when you were a kid, what what was what was your favorite team growing up? Because I feel like if you were you, you know you were fairly young in Europe, your favorite team for a little while could have been a European team rather than an NHL team just because of the exposure you had. But kind of what, talk through a little bit about what your your favorite teams were growing up. Uh, maybe a favorite player or too that you you kind of grew up really liking or enjoying watching. Other than your dad, maybe he might be biased. Like your favorite, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> but
2: yeah, I, w- I was going to say like it, it's hard because like um, like I said earlier. Really- people are so passionate about the their team right in europe so like yes nhl was was big like everybody knew what the nhl was everybody like all the kids that i was playing with they were all saying like oh i want to play in the nhl in the future but uh when you were like kind of talking to like uh i guess other fans in the city or uh, i don't really know but like they were all just thinking about the the, the team that was actually in the city right so like yeah. where my dad was playing most of the time, so um it's I didn't really have a favorite team to be honest obviously my main goal since I've been a kid was to play in the NHL but I never really like visualized and like thought oh I want to be part of this team I want to be part of this organization so I, I couldn't really tell like uh if I had a favorite team whether it was in the NHL or uh, you know even in Europe I mean every single year like it depended on where we we're at and oh, I was yeah. just like going to that to that, my dad's game, I guess. So I was like, okay, this is my team this year. And, uh, you know, I'm going to cheer as much as possible for this team. And as for the player, I mean, same thing. It's because like, um, like I said, if I was watching games, it wasn't really any games. I was mostly watching, uh, you know, my dad play. He was playing pretty much like he he was playing every week. So I was just going to the games every day. And, you know, like I said earlier, it was part of uh, my team now, so um yeah. i i can't really give a a name but uh you know um obviously uh growing up like i mean it, it was just hard but as soon as i came back in quebec you know i just started that's where i kind of started watching more of the nhl and I'll, even though like i said earlier when i was a kid i always knew that playing in the nhl was my main goal but uh you know i kind of figured i had time before i was looking at that
0: yeah cool yeah i think i think um children of professional athletes always have a really unique experience much different than um us who aren't or aren't children of of a professional athlete because i think especially you talk about your dad switching teams in europe and going from one team to kind of another and and you know this year this is the team you're rooting for and I think it's just a unique experience because, you know, for for us, you know, we kind of, I feel like we grow up and we're influenced by the favorite teams of our parents because they're not professional athletes. So, you know, yeah, if if yeah. Tyler's dad's a big Rangers fan, he, he might be growing up a Rangers fan until he's old enough to, you know, maybe change his mind a little bit. But we're kind of
1: influenced yeah, by that what was our parents the case. do. So I, I figured it figure it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That was the case. Like for the longest time, it was the Rangers. <laughs> then towards like the i don't know early almost mid 2000s it was the sabers when they had Danny Briere and uh oh, Marty really? and Marty Brian and like those guys and like it was just really exciting to watch them play and that's when i think that's when they were like one of the best teams like of like the buffalo sabers and so yeah then i finally started figuring it out and then one time my dad showed me uh and Alex Ovechkin uh highlight reel from his rookie season where he had 52 goals and I'm like okay I like the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you saw Ovechkin take one like do do one one timer and you're like that's it I'm a fan you <laughs> got me hooked yeah
1: <laughs> and um so i get so i guess growing up and you moved back to uh Quebec when you were you said 11 like 11 12 years old yeah around 11 years old and it was it was very weird when I was when I was looking you up on NHL.com uh it said like college college day something like what do you know what that means like that program that you played in when you were growing up probably
2: yeah that. yeah it's yeah, sure. yeah, <laughs> it a bad
0: mispronunciation but yeah, yeah that's
2: fine I, got, I understood that one but uh yeah that, that was basically my high school uh i spent two years over there uh until i because i was basically like it was a private school so they kind of had their own league uh, my dad was uh basically working there he was a director of the hockey program over there so um as soon as i you know I was of age to go to high school I just went straight there uh spent two years and then uh basically uh, which I don't think was a good decision on my part but I mean it got me where I'm at right now yeah. but I went to uh, public hockey uh which was uh well basically the Quebec League um and I had to go to a different school because that team had a certain school where you had to go to so I changed school uh changed team for a year um that was on my uh, junior uh draft basically that that year yeah. so i went there had a not so good of a season i would say for different reasons but uh not not great um school wasn't wasn't good either for for me i mean some people liked it i had not a good experience over there but uh it, it kind of yeah. you know Kind of also went into hockey, right? Where he won while it kind of had a bad mentality, yeah. and then uh, went to junior. Still got drafted first round, surprisingly on my part, but <laughs> uh, got drafted to Shikudemi, where I played uh, four years, and yeah, got got uh, invited to Jersey and signed there.
0: So, I I, uh, I always like to know from you know a professional athlete. Were you? Because well, I feel like at some point, to get to the the professional level, there has to be a moment where you are clearly better than most other kids on the ice. Because only what one percent or a small percentage of 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 athletes be, go pro, go pro in any sport, really. So, were you? Yeah. As soon as you put on skates, were you just kind of naturally gifted? Were you oh, you know, since you can remember, were you one of the better players on the ice, or did you have to like wait until you hit your growth spurt until you really started to see? A change in, in how you played um, or was it something where you weren't necessarily the most naturally gifted but you just busted your ass and then eventually kind of your 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 skills and your work ethic kind of paid off I'm always really curious to know because some people are like dude I was always kicking ass you know I was always yeah. really good and then there's others who are like no nah, man when I first started I was trash you know so like kind of <laughs> yeah. talk about that
2: um, well in my case I would say was probably a little bit of both uh, when I was a kid uh, I think that it was uh, like you said, maybe naturally gifted, and because of my dad, right? Like he showed yeah. me a lot of stuff, and I might have had like an edge on everybody else. Yeah. Uh, also, just for my size, I mean, I was I was bigger than all the other kids yeah. too. So like, I think that kind of helped me uh until I was, I, I was junior maybe. That's when it really kicked in, where I started. I've always played against older guys, so like oh, yeah. I, I talked about uh, high school earlier. Like um, for us, it would be secondary or one. I don't know what uh, you. Uh, you finish in grade twelve, right? Yeah. For
0: you, yeah. Guys? yeah. Secondary year one is that like a freshman or a first year student in high school? Like.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. That would yeah. be first Actually, year. I don't know. That'd be like junior year. That would be like eleventh grade. Right. It will be what grade? Grade eleven.
0: No. I think so he's younger than that. No,
2: no, 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 no. You finish grade twelve, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. You were like, how, yeah, how yeah. old were it's you? Like five years earlier. Were you like sixteen? Like six years
2: earlier. No, I'm like I'm like 13. Oh, Jeez. so this that's oh, like middle school for us. Okay. Oh, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. okay,
0: that's like seventh. That's like seventh grade. Got it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. So like I, I was I was playing against. Uh, uh, now I would guess it would be grade 11. Yeah,
0: 17 year old. So I was
2: grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was playing against 17. Uh, yeah, 15, 16 year old okay. probably when I was like 12, 13. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just because of my size, where like. I just had an edge on all the other guys of my age so um that can kind of help me out there but afterwards like i talked earlier like as soon as i got into the qmjhl that's where you know like i was playing against older guys but like more mature guys because they you know they were like getting a lot bigger than what i was used to and uh it still helped me but that's where like where I was maybe playing more offensively before Yeah. I kind of had to change my style and I had to play a little bit more defense and it kind of like, it just came in naturally, but, um, I really had to work on, on different things yeah. that I wasn't necessarily used to. Yeah. So I think that I really had, like, I, I struggled a lot when I started, but, um, now what turned out where I was an offensive defenseman and now I'm, you know. I'm basically a defensive defenseman. Yeah. It changed a lot, but I had to work a lot for that, too. So, um, yeah, I guess it's a little bit of both. Um, but I had the chance, like I said, my dad was there and he helped me throughout the whole, you know, the whole development, too. But uh, I also had some great teammates, even last year. I mean, in bingo, uh, a lot of guys talked to me. A lot of the older guys just came to me and just helped me out uh, throughout the whole year. Um, yeah. You know, coming in at 20 years old, it's, it's not easy. So, um, yeah. No yeah, doubt. I guess I was always uh, in an embar- in an um, environment, sorry, yeah. uh where uh, you know, they kind of helped me a lot. Yeah.
0: That's fair. Yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, so when when you were was it 15 when you get drafted into the queue, right? Or 16? Yeah. So exactly. so in uh, that
2: Well, yeah, 15.
1: Yeah, it so in that when you were playing minor hockey, were you ever did your dad ever like approach you and be like, hey, do you think about instead of going to the queue and playing juniors, just keep playing uh, minor hockey until like you're 18 or hopefully uh, you might get looked at and possibly go to college. Like if you were to have that option of either going to play in the Q MJHL or playing in like the NCAA, like, what would happen if you were given that like opportunity? Would you stay with the route that you did or would you possibly change it and go to the college route?
2: Well, I mean, now that I look at the result, I mean, I would for sure stay in the queue, right? I signed a contract in the NHL. I mean, maybe it could have turned out That's... better. I would have been drafted, but at the same yeah. time, I mean, I still got the chance to sign, right? But, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I still got, because if you go to the NCAA, you got to go through the USHL, right? And if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure I have to though. But yeah. uh, I got drafted in the USHL in Chicago. Actually, like it was a last minute thing, right? I didn't get drafted like super high or anything. But um, I still got drafted there. And then we were kind of wondering, okay, do I want to go and on that path? You know, go to college and you know have like because it, if it's like a win-win, basically, like obviously you can play hockey, but you also go to school. And then like if hockey doesn't work, you know, if it doesn't work out, well at least you have like a plan B You you have school in and, you know, like uh, you have a degree or whatever you, you want to call it. But uh, I thought about it, but from our perspective in Quebec, like where I'm at that the bigger, like the biggest chance that I had to actually get like recognized and like to, for people to see me was to go through the, the QMJHL. So uh, we decided to, you know, go through that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and I think, yeah. you know, Kids here in the States, I'm sure, have, like, different routes um, going through juniors and whatnot. And so everybody kind of does it a little bit differently. But it's always interesting to hear how somebody gets to the level that they were and kind of what exposure they got, you know. Um, I I speak – most of the time I'm speaking from, like, a baseball perspective because that's that's really my sport, the one I'm most knowledgeable knowledgeable about and how kids get recognized and how, if you're a younger athlete, what you can do – or like organizations you can kind of join and be a part of and try out for that can kind of get you that exposure. But I'm not too privy on hockey, but it's always interesting to kind of hear.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, like our our uh, previous guest that we had like a couple months ago, Jerry D'Amigo, he he got the actual experience of playing for the Kitchener Rangers and then also playing Division One hockey as well at RPI. So that's why I was trying to get like a feel of like like what your opinion would have been because you had that combat opportunity of choosing which, which uh, road you want to go down for, like whether it's going to USHL and then going on playing uh, NCAA hockey, or what you did is playing the Q and then go on. And now you're being a professional hockey player signed with the New Jersey Devils and playing with Devils. So obviously yeah. it worked, obviously it worked out for you, but I was just kind of curious on like if you had that chance, you had the opportunity, like, yeah. if you were to do kind of like a do-over, what road would you want to, like, choose or whatever?
2: Yeah, but also the, the thing that I didn't mention, too, is that, like, when you're at that age, you really want to leave, like, your, your, well, in our case, it's our province, right, or, like, just to leave Canada and just go to Chicago, what, like, yeah. was I ready for that? Yeah, i'm not exactly sure i mean like yeah. for some guys it works out it's perfect yeah. and you know they they grow they grow around that and it's fine but i mean for others like i don't know how it would have been ended up for me maybe it would have been perfect i would have had fun and uh, you know like i said school would have been fine and i was just i would have just had fun over there but uh for others maybe it's just not not made for them so if i would have been through the ushl i don't know how it would have worked out for the qmjhl after like yeah. uh if i could have gone there after so I just, I guess I kind of took the, the safe route, too, in, in in that sense, and decided to stay around. And although, I mean, I wasn't really home. I was two hours and a half away, but it's still, like, just two hours and a half away, right? So, like, yeah, you know, my parents could come see me and stuff like that. So, yeah. I guess that that kind of helped out, too, on that part.
1: Yeah, I was kind of curious That's on important. that, too. Like, I was kind of curious on if, like, Shakudami was, like, in your backyard or was, like a long ways away so
2: yeah it's not it's not far so it's not bad but uh i mean even there like i was talking to a few guys a a couple of weeks ago who was in chicotomy and they were saying the same thing like they were with some because i still know some guys who are playing right now over there and uh they were like with some younger guys and they were all saying the same thing like man like i'm i want to get home like right now, because they're they're not even playing, they're like, oh, we're just far away from home, there's nothing happening, like, with our family, and, you know, it's like, it, it, it's hard, but there's other guys who just, like, takes it in, and it's just fine, like, they just grow up with it, and they're like, okay, well, I mean, I'm going to be gone for a year, but I'm going to be back home at the end of, you know, yeah. when the season ends, so, um, yeah, I guess it, it depends on everybody, but uh, you, I'll never know how I would have ended up if, I went to ushl but i mean i think like i said earlier it ended up pretty well and you know signing the nhl
0: i think one thing that i asked uh jerry Domingo when he was on because i'm always really curious about this because again anytime we have the chance to get a professional athlete it's just such a different experience when you're a fan watching a sport that you know really well um you can tell who the more talented guys are on the ice like i can watch you know maybe Crosby is still nasty, but not not top of the food chain anymore. But you know, go back when when um, Pittsburgh won in what 2009 is when they had the last well, not the last Stanley Cup, but uh, two two Stanley Cups. 2013,
1: 2014.
0: Go to go to Sidney Crosby's or, prime, right? You can watch him, and you can and you can hear guys talk about just how much better he is than everybody else and whatnot. But it it's got to be different being a player. So I'm always curious to know, like in your journey so far who have you shared the ice with either on your team that you're playing with or playing against that you've, you've watched and just been like, man, that guy's on a different planet. Like he's just like way above and beyond talented, like the 1% of the 1%, you know what I mean? I'm always curious to know like a guy that you've skated with and you've just like been wowed or amazed at the, the, the level of ability.
2: Um, it, It's kind of hard because I think there's a lot of guys who I've played against that were kind of unique in their own way. Some guys were just skating-wise, they were just unreal, dude. You know, there's the guy I remember in Q uh, Abramov. uh, uh, Yeah, Abramov, he was called? Yeah. Yeah. And he was just crazy fast. He was skating super fast, just starting behind his net, and all of a sudden, he was in front of our net, just like roofing the puck, right? And then there's other guys like Lafreniere, who obviously won first this year. Yeah who, like, I, I, my job, I remember, I'll, I take, I, I talk about it to everybody when they ask me about Lafrenia. Like, my job, we played it in the playoffs against them uh, when I was in Chikurimi. Yeah. And uh, my job was basically just to play against him and just, you know, to try to, to do the best possible so he doesn't make any points yeah. and he doesn't make the team win, right? But, uh and then, like, it just came off the ice every time and I was like, you know what, I think I did a pretty good job today. Like, yeah, we lost, but I mean, You know, he didn't do much. So I did my job and, you know, eventually we'll get a win. And then I just look at the score sheet and he had like five points, like on power plays and like whatever he was doing. He was just just insane every single time. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? Like this, this kid is just unreal. So I I would say if I had to like give a name, I would probably say him. He was just unbelievable. Like not even like flashy though. You know, like if you look at the videos, you, you go on left and Yeah, obviously they're gonna get some highlights out where you see like, oh my God, this guy's just unreal. Like he has some, some hands. It's insane. His shot is great. His skating is great. But then like, when I actually played against him, every single time I was like, man, like I don't. Sometimes he does something pretty nice. Like he does a sick move or something. Yeah. But it's not the time he does it. Yeah, it's not flashy. But then like, yeah, he's not flashy. But then you literally you look at the scoring and you five points. Yeah. So that that was pretty crazy on that part. Man. Yeah, that's wild.
0: <laughs> you get yourself five points in the NHL and you're gonna make a shit ton of money. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So well, I mean, th- 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 think about this though. Like he was playing yeah. junior and he had the contract with Gatorade and Bauer for like yeah. a pretty good amount of money, right? And the guy Man. was like younger than me and I was like, oh my god, okay, he's yeah. serious. And even went to Cars, right? The Upper Deck, I think it's called. Yeah he had like a deal with these guys too so like oh it it was just insane upper
0: deck for cards right yeah Yeah, for cards yeah 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 Yeah. and like man that's wild it's always interesting
2: yeah
1: and like can you imagine he was probably getting that stuff when he was like 16 too
2: oh yeah for sure which is like which is like
1: crazy and like hard to like think about but it's like that's when you know like he's actually going to be something so just so like out of your opinion like do you think like you you hear the uh, the Brian, the Brian Burks the uh, the Elliot Friedman's you hear all those guys giving their opinions on uh Alexis but like you physically played against him you were assigned to it like yeah. is that hype like real or 100 percent? 100%. <laughs>
0: he's you, like, no doubt. <laughs> yeah.
1: You, you, you saw what he
2: did uh, Team Canada, right?
1: Yeah. yeah like, I
2: mean, like... the guy's just super clutch. The guy, like, you give him the puck and you need a goal, just give him the puck, he's going to make something happen. Obviously, I mean, you can't play a hockey game alone, but I mean,
0: yeah, the guy's
2: but... just unreal. Like, he, he just in Rimouski, um I, I know a couple guys there, but like his line, I don't remember exactly the Russian guy, he was his winger, but uh, there was also another guy that i know he's he's a player uh he got drafted to boston uh cedric Paris called and uh he's a great hockey player but like he wasn't like the year they started playing with afghani he did something like 120 points in like i don't know how many games and like just yeah. the three combined they had something like 400 points and <laughs> then like you kind of look at the name and we're like these guys aren't supposed to make like great players it's wrong but there are no like David, right? Yeah. Who are supposed to make like hundred yeah. and something. So then, like you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, this guy is making all the passes. This guy is making like the plays, yeah. and that's that's when I really saw it. Every was just playing against his team, right? Like he was on the ice, and you were like, oh my god, okay, I see now. He's just insane.
1: Yeah, he's like yeah. the yeah. He's, I think, like, you know, he's like he's like the idea. Sydney he's like the Sydney Crosby with like their Stanley Cup runs. Yeah. He like makes the Pascal Dupuis, he makes the Chris Kunitz's, he makes the Jake Gatzel's, like, even though they are good, but he makes them, like, even better than exactly what they start yeah. at, yeah, which is, exactly. which is, like, crazy. Yeah. yeah, which is
2: kind of a bummer, though, because he's in New York, right? And, yeah, in Jersey, they're gonna play against him a lot, but, I mean, he, he, for pretty kid, I mean, like, I I don't know him very well, but from what I know, he's not, like, he's not cocky, he's, like, yeah. He's been well coached. He knows that. Yes, he's one of the best players out there, but you know he has to stay composed, and you know he's not going to be cocky or anything. And from what I've heard too, from a couple of guys, he's just a super nice guy to be around, in. and you know that that's that's good to hear. That that's what most people kind of when you talk about a hockey player, that's pretty much what you hear most of the time, right? Is I was like, going to say something uh, like that. Yeah, he's super professional. He's not cocky. He knows he's making a, a lot of money playing hockey, but. Yeah he's not cocky or anything he's not like bragging about it or anything so that's what's fun to see too like you want to root for that guy right when when you see a professional athlete that made like so many like big achievements like in his case he got drafted first overall in the nhl right so like that's not a little thing and he's not going to brag about it or anything so i think i think that's some someone that you want to root for but again like i said he's in new york so can't really root for him when I'm in Jersey, right?
0: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Uh, you never, you never know. You might end up playing with him though, or something like that. So,
2: exactly. God. Well, we never know. We never know. Yeah, man, that's wild though.
0: Um, yeah. So, I think because you were talking about how hockey players, because I, I was just gonna say something similar just now about um, how I feel like anytime you hear hockey players talk about other hockey players, or even maybe fans, just in general. Um, I've never really heard maybe on a couple of occasions where a a player isn't, you know, kind of cocky or has a, has an ego, but not many. Um, but there are definitely some sports where egos are all over the place, you know? Um, and so one thing Tyler and I were talking about just to kind of get your perspective as an athlete on is, uh, the whole, uh, James Harden situation in the NBA. I'm not sure how much you follow the NBA, but, um, James Harden has basically requested a trade, or is kind of forcing a trade from the Houston Rockets. He's making forty-two million dollars this year, which wow. is, you know, T and I were talking before, um, before this, we got on this podcast about how, um, you know, is McDavid making twelve or fifteen million or something like that? Like he's he's, uh, like, which is a lot of money it's and like no 12. doubt, but. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's, I think, or something. Yeah, which that. is a ridiculous amount of money, but it's not anywhere near what James Harden is making. And I, I just found out. Well, I just remembered that James Harden turned down a two-year, 103 million dollar extension, so he would have been making 51 and a half million dollars a year in a couple of years. And so, yeah, my, my, I just think one of the things that irritates me. It, especially in the NBA right now, is um, players can conj- – there's, like, no loyalty between player and team anymore. And I know at the end of the day, even the NHL, all these professional sports are our businesses, and I get that. But yeah. – in the NBA, it's just like a, a, a player can ask for a trade just out of the blue and basically force his way out of a trade. Doesn't have to show up to training camp, doesn't really get punished, doesn't really get fined, and uh, and and can say where they want to get traded. Well, James Harden, I want to go to – I want to to go apparently he wants to go to the, the 76ers in Philly, or he wants to go to Brooklyn. Maybe there's a few other teams in there. This man is making $42 million, and he could have had an opportunity to make $52 million over the course of two seasons towards the end of his career. And he turned it yeah. down, and he's forcing a trade. And I just don't like – that culture in the NBA. I don't see any other sport where you hear the NHL, MLB, or NFL, and maybe the MLS as well, but, like, nobody's really out there forcing trades. If you were making $42 million as a professional athlete, I think you would probably play for anybody, and you would probably be like, yeah, I'm probably not going to ask for a trade because they just gave me $42 million a year. So, you know, yeah. I don't know if you want to speak on that, you know, but, like, I just – I it drives me nuts about how they can just request a trade whenever they want. Like, if you don't want to be there long term – don't sign the contract. You can be like, hey, I am yeah. gonna I want to reach free agency, and then I want to go sign somewhere else. I don't really want to be in Houston. You can do that. That's fine. But, like, you sign a contract, and now you have three years left on the deal, and you just want to be traded because you don't win? Well, guess whose problem that is? You, because you're the best player on the team, and large, largely in the playoffs, you haven't shown up. So, yeah. I, God, it just irritates me, because you don't really see that in the NHL, right? I don't, I don't know you know, the ins and outs. Right. Yeah. But, but I don't see a lot of guys just being like, no, I'm not going to show up to training camp. You're going to trade me. I'm not playing for this. friend. Like that just doesn't, I don't ah, That just is yeah. a sour taste.
2: Well, I think it just comes down to like what the culture kind of is. Right. If you look yeah. at like basketball, well, obviously it's in States, but I mean, like yeah. if you just listen to the players talk too, like hockey players get coached about this, but like most of the time it's always like, it's it's all about we right it's yeah. we did this we did it together like if someone gets asked like yeah you had a hat trick tonight like he's i'm, I'm gonna say 99 percent of the time sometimes it happens but 99 percent of the time the player's gonna say yeah well i had a great pass on that on that goal i had a you know the players made something happen for me and that's why i get some goals so yeah. like we did it together yeah, right yeah but when you listen to basketball players most of the time you kind of hear you never well not you never but you hear a lot of the I right i did this yeah yeah, like uh you know i i can't really give an example because i i like i like basketball but i don't watch it as much right yeah yeah. but it's just it's just culture wise it's just so different and you know also like from for money like players i think that when they get to the nhl there's that kind of like uh i i would say like feeling where like oh i i Like, I got to do something for this team. Like, they made this happen for me, right? Like, it's because of them that I'm going to play in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that feeling doesn't really... They don't have it in the NBA. Well, some do. Probably most of them do. But... Some. when, when you hear it on TV, it's, it's kind yeah. of weird. Like there's like a little twist where you don't really hear that. Yeah. So, and, I,
0: there, and there are some players like, I think like, you know, like Steph Curry just came out and said that he wanted to retire as a warrior. They're talking about a contract extension. He's going to make a ridiculous amount yeah. of money. We're talking about superstars here that are going to make a lot of money anyway. Yeah. And, and not everybody is them. Most of most professional athletes are going to be the, um, not making $42 million yeah. a year. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I know T and I were talking before this about I, I, there, there are times and, you know, as, as us fans, we kind of hear about some situations in the NHL. We talked about um, the the Jonathan Druin situation in Tampa Bay where he didn't want to go. He didn't want to get sent down. And you don't have to comment on that because for all I know, he could be your best friend well, or he, you also don't want to.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know the guy. But yeah. I, from what I've heard, though, is that he changed a lot on, on that yeah. perspective, though. Like, yeah. I think that he knows that it was kind of what? It for sure was but it was a big mistake to do like to act the way he did but i think that he kind of learned from it and he changed but that's that's also to come back on what we were saying like i feel like in for some reason in other sport that doesn't happen all the time and for some reason well i mean it's it's great i think that's that's why like hockey players get recognized the most in in that perspective like from a young age you, you go to your agency camp or whatever it is. And you get coached about it, you know, you get some meeting about, okay, like if you get interviewed, well, you should talk about the team because that's what like yeah. the team played, right? It's not all about you. Yeah. Guess Obviously, who signed you, your paycheck? The owner exa- of the team. Exactly. <laughs> not,
0: not, you know, not like, your, your mom. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so exactly. It's, it's a we thing, not an I thing.
2: But I, I was going to say too, like, think about it. Who do you want to root for? Uh, the guy who like changed team every single yep. year or the yep. guy who stayed with the same team for 10 years? Yep. You know that even though he didn't win, you still want to root for a guy That's who you know, 100- played for ten years. That's
0: hundred percent Mike Trout. I mean, he's the most loyal player in the exactly. in Major League Baseball. I mean, he's been to the he has literally like twelve postseason at bats, which is not a lot in baseball at all, right? Twelve postseason at bats, yeah. and he's been in the league for forever. And he's the best player to ever play the game of baseball. And he might not ever win a World Series. Good chance he doesn't ever win a World Series, but he's the most loyal player because he's just signed in uh, literally his retirement contract with the Angels, and so. Yeah. You know, so uh, just that,
2: that everybody's gonna love him just because he stayed yeah. for the same team, and like, yep. he just he 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 knows that he owes like his career to this team. Basically, that's yeah. that's where he started, and it's yep. all because of them. Yep. And you know, now he wants to make his team win, win. So, I guess yeah. you gotta that's the guy, that guy. Who won't, yeah, exactly. You gotta root for him, right? Gotta so, for that guy. and
0: that's kind of how me as a fan, I tell people, like, you know, a lot of people ask me or just fans, fans talk, and I'm sure players do as well about, um. Why are you a fan of the team? When you grew up, like if you're a fan of whatever team, well, why? You know, a lot of people would be like, oh, my dad and my my family in general were just big Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers fans or Winnipeg Jets fans or whatever. But there's also more to it than that, I feel. If you're a big fan, like T and I are just of sports in general, where we have a favorite team kind of across all four major sports um, in the U.S., from a U.S. perspective, anyways. And for me, it's always about ownership uh i want the teams i root for i want to have an ownership that cares about winning cares about the fans not just caring about making money because if you only care about making money oftentimes it doesn't necessarily translate to performance on the ice or championships and stuff like that uh and just like the team and the culture of the organization being one that like wants to win wants to be competitive um, it's a team atmosphere, doesn't have any egos on the team. Those are the, the teams I root for. Whether or not they win, who knows? I mean, I'm a Tennessee Titans fan in the NFL. We haven't won anything ever, but I like the team because of the culture and the the kind of like blue-collar-ness of the team. And I feel like you're, you're exactly right. You with the nail on the head with, you know, those are the guys you want to root for. Those are the teams and the organizations you want to root for because of just the way they carry themselves and the way they go about business every day. There's no drama. There's no flashiness. There's no um you know you know snarky comments on with with reporters there's none of that and those are the people and teams and stuff that you want to root for so
2: exactly but when you when you think about it it's because like i don't want to you know put it on them or anything like i don't want to say any negative stuff but when you think about it it's it's kind of like that in montreal in hockey actually um Um, like you you hear all kind of stuff obviously I, i didn't play there i don't know like like how it actually is. Yeah. But I know a couple of guys there too, like and they've been saying like just media wise, it's just like they're like robots, right? They're not allowed yeah. to like say what they actually want to. So that yeah. creates that kind of atmosphere yeah. where like, okay, I want to say something different. it And you and like, right? were saying like media wise, yeah. it was just crazy. I don't know if you if you caught that, but I'm pretty sure he said something around that, but he was saying, like, it was just weird, like, that the... the... 10 were weird over there. And obviously, Montreal fans are crazy, too. So, like, if if you're from Quebec and you're drafted in in Montreal, well, good luck, because you're going to have a lot of pressure. And it it seems like the players kind of really feel that pressure instead of being like, okay, like, uh don't worry even though you're from quebec like just play your game and it's going to be fine it's 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 kind of weird like i hear a lot of stuff and again i might be completely wrong hopefully i'm completely wrong i I don't know i've never been there but um you know it 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 just it's kind of a little example of like that that sort of or i wouldn't say organization but like you don't want that to happen too much because the players won't necessarily want to play there if that's actually your case right
0: no doubt um yeah. T, I know we're almost at, a, we're at about an hour-ish, but, I, you know, did you, I know you had some questions. wasn't sure if there's anything you wanted to ask before we kind of wrapped up.
1: Uh, kind, kind of just to wrap up this, uh, this whole interview, like you played four years at Shakurumi and, uh, one, how were the bus rides? Like I've heard stories from different podcasts of like, They're 20 hour bus rides and like the minimum is like five. Me, myself, I hate long bus rides. And I don't know like what you guys had to do when you guys were traveling, especially at that age and just like how that was. And I don't know, give us some like stories from those trips or just from those days playing Um,
2: In my case, it wasn't too bad because Shikudami is like pretty much in the center, right? in Quebec. So, like, there's Quebec, which is really in the middle, and then we're just a little bit up north from there. So, it wasn't too bad, because, like, we were pretty much close to, like, six, seven teams so that we were mostly playing against. So, you know, like, the most, I would say, like, out of our division uh, was probably, like, five to six hours of bus ride Mm. which is still decent don't get me wrong I mean it's not like anything crazy right yeah but um then there were other bus rides where we had to go to New Brunswick or wherever we had to go and we had like this 18 hour bus ride and you were like just dying in there and you just wanted to get there as, as soon as possible but the good thing about it too was uh that you only went there twice a year so when you went there, you went there for a week or two and then like you came back and then yeah. like maybe a couple months later, you did it again. But, um, otherwise it wasn't too bad, but there's other teams that are just super far from like, just from Quebec they're like 11 hours away. And then when you think about these guys who have to go to Quebec all the time, have to go to, you know, the complete other end of Quebec, then it, it just gets messy and it's kind of hard for these guys, but I got pretty lucky to end up in Chicoutimi. It wasn't too bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. yeah. Cause like I was listening to a couple podcasts and like, uh, actually it was Ken Hitchcock. Uh, he was talking about when he was coaching in uh, the WHL for uh, the Kelowna Rocket. Yeah. And he was talking, he was like, yeah, like most bus rides were like on average 15 hours and like he just hated them. Yeah. And then like when they're trying to, they're on like a three game road trip, they would, go from like, uh, Kelowna to Seattle, then to Portland, then they have to go all the way back up to Kelowna after trying to make the border passing. And like, they get home at like Mm -hmm. six o'clock in the morning, but, and like those kids still have to go to school at nine o'clock, which is like crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think if you just look in Canada, I would say that the worst bus rides would probably be in the WHL then it would probably be Canada and uh, Canada, sorry, Quebec, and then it would be Ontario. But uh I mean it, it was hard. Even in a, in a queue, I mean, we got back at, you know, in Chakudmi at like three, four in the morning and you had to go to school at eight, eight thirty, right? So uh <laughs> it, it it you know, you had to be comfortable on the bus and just sleep there, but sometimes it, it wasn't necessarily easy.
1: Yeah, like uh what is it? Um crap, I was gonna ask uh like how like how were like like catering like for you guys like what was like the nutritional the nutrition that was like given to you guys so like when i was listening to this their their way of like eating is like they just stop like halfway when they're on their way to like a city and they just get a buffet and just go from there like how was it for like you guys was something like similar to it
2: uh it depends uh if we were playing pretty close by usually we were having like uh our food already before we left so the food was just in the bus and it was already like hot and they were keeping it hot in there but uh if we were going for a longer bus ride obviously we had to stop halfway um but everybody was pretty much having the same thing so you know unless you're really uh, had something specific that you didn't want in your food or that you actually wanted in your food. You could ask yeah. for it, but uh, otherwise, I mean, everybody had the same food. And uh, like I said, if we, if we were close by just took the, the food to the bus, then drove over there and we were eating on a bus. Otherwise, um, you know, we were stopping for hmm.
1: Okay. I, cause like when, cause like I played community college hockey and my brother played division three college hockey like, their pregame meals would be, like, actually hot meals where they get the typical uh, chicken parm with spaghetti and, like, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then for, like, us would be uh, we have to be on our own and mm-hmm. mainly we would go to, like, Subway. And then, like, the guys that just didn't care at all, they would go to McDonald's or Burger King like, yeah, like yeah, a burger or something. So, like, that's what I was, like, kind of curious on. And then, like, the post game. Uh, my brother's team would relatively get the same exact thing where they get, like, a good meal after kind of the same thing of a chicken parm, uh, spaghetti, Mm -hmm. and, like, that actually has, like, the good nutritional values for a post-game meal. And then we got, like, pizza or more subs (laughs) or wings or whatever. Like,
0: I'd go to Wendy's in a heartbeat,
1: dude. it, it, It depended
2: also, like, if we were playing, like, the game, you know, like, the day after right so like uh sometimes you had to drive like four hours after the game to go to another hotel and like just sleep there and then you know play the day after so like in that case they again same thing basically the food was already at the bus uh, as soon as you came out and you could eat right away and then uh just leave i guess for for the the hotel four hours away but um during the playoffs usually i would say that's where it kind of gets uh more specific where like you actually stay at the rink. There's like the huge like uh, food there that you can choose, and you do whatever you want, basically. But obviously, it's all good food. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess it, it's it's better during playoffs, but it's it wasn't too bad too during the season, though.
1: Yeah, it's, and uh, Dylan can actually attest to this when we were playing with each other at uh, at Broom uh i probably set the record because we would get 20 pies of pizza from like a local uh pizza place i would eat a whole pie to myself and like no one else could do that, just because like they didn't have like Such a the stomach, <laughs> they, they didn't have the stomach capacity that I did. But uh but yeah, dude,
0: I don't think anybody in the AHL or NHL is gonna take down an entire pizza. Maybe after <laughs> maybe after like a Stanley Cup, like a Calder Cup victory or something, when they got the whole off season exactly. to like work that off. But like
2: yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: yeah, that's crazy. It just reminds me of stories where you know obviously people think. Uh, The MLB is pretty glorious. Obviously, there's some pretty large contracts in the MLB, but what a lot of people don't realize is in the lower levels of professional baseball, the single A, the rookie ball, the short-season single A, advanced single A, um, you know, they'd play a game. And in baseball, you play pretty much every day, you know. Um, and so I, I just remember they, the, the people that were playing in single A that you'd hear stories about yeah man when I was in single A I just got drafted and I tell you what man I played at Wake Forest which is D1 and Wake Forest D1 baseball was much more glorious than single A baseball about how after games they would go in their meal they would literally get like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a sandwich bag and that would be their dinner after a game and I'm like dude you're a professional athlete and you got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich after a game was like, yeah man single A baseball and I'm like gotta love it man <laughs>
1: Yeah. Or like me, when I was working in AAA baseball for breakfast, I had to cook up the powdered, powdered scrambled eggs for the players. So when they come, like, you know, how, so like, you know how for like game days, we have like the eggs, the bacon, the sausage, like all that stuff. Yeah, I'm the one that made it. We didn't have like a third party, like company that made it. I made it. And it was like very low quality kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. even though like, our breakfast was not the greatest still yeah, like ours was like find the lowest grade eggs, find the lowest <laughs> grade meat, cook that up. And this is what these like basically future, uh, MLB players are going to be eating. I'm like, yeah. Okay. yeah, man. Yeah.
0: Luckily being in shape in baseball and being in shape in hockey are a little different. Not that you, not that you can't be in shape to play like for baseball, but I mean, yeah. you know, hockey, hockey's is a little different. Uh, um, so yeah, there's that. But um, yeah, I think we've yeah. gone a, a little bit over an hour. That's totally cool. We we appreciate the interview and all the insight. It's really interesting for us to hear the life of an athlete, a professional athlete. We only I, I only know the brief college I played uh, and then high school as well. So it's really interesting to hear all the stories and what, what life is like to be you. So we, we we appreciate you hopping on and taking the time to, to chat with us tonight.
2: Well, it was great. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, th- this was pretty interesting because like, uh, like we said, and like we got perspective from Jerry D'Amigo, where he kind of played in the limelight for Toronto. Mm-hmm. He played for the Maple Leafs. So, like, he, he had that little perspective, but he came from here, from Binghamton, New York, a small yeah, town. Yeah. And like, he he didn't have like a father like you who played professionally. His dad wasn't even really into hockey. His uncle got him in hockey, and he kind of went from there and he just kind of excelled now he's he actually just got done playing over i forgot i honestly forgot the the team that he played for but he was playing in the dell this past season so he was playing in germany and then also getting your perspective being a young uh upcoming professional hockey player playing the ahl and then our other buddy who we had last time nick golo who's just playing in the fed which i i told him this hey you're playing competitive hockey. I wish I was still playing competitive hockey. I'm mm-hmm. only playing, sure. I'm only playing men's league. I wish I was still playing competitive hockey because I kind of miss that kind of competitiveness and just like, I don't know. You you have to like grind to still be the best to compete. You know. So like, yeah. So like you're doing it, Nick's doing it, Jer- Jerry's doing it, and like like I said, I wish I was doing it. But
0: shout out to y'all living the
1: dream
2: <laughs> but yeah. yeah well we had a lot of we had a, a lot of help to get there though so uh, you know we can't take the whole credit obviously for the ones who are getting recognized i guess but there's yeah. been a lot of work from a lot of people around us too I, I was mentioning that but i mean like i said earlier too like a lot of others who i played with just helped me develop as a player as an individual too even i mean yeah which is as yes as Player, it was they were really important, but also, like, as an individual, it's uh, you know, I, I knew a couple of junior guys who, uh, yeah, necessarily typical hockey player that we basically know in the NHR or whatever, but like, the coaches have to put these guys back in the in lane, right, and tell them, like, listen, guys, like, yes, you're good, but don't need to be cocky about it, and like, you might hit a wall at yeah. some point and. If, you're, if you keep staying cocky or whatever, you're, you might not be able to get over it, yeah, right? So, absolutely. yeah, I think, like I said, it, it's all about uh, people around me, which kind of helped me uh, get to the point where I'm at. And obviously, I mentioned my dad. He helped me a lot, like pretty much the whole, you know, the whole way uh, to where I'm at right now. But uh, there's a lot of people helped me yeah. throughout the development.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that goes for anybody in any career, really. You know, I, I work in higher education. I'm far from a professional athlete, but there's been a lot of people who've kind of mentored me along my way. So everybody, no matter what career you, field you choose, there's always kind of those people that, that mentor you on your way up. And so, um, you know, a lot of people look at athletes as these almighty, powerful beings, which is easy to do because they do something really cool, but uh, they're human just like everybody else. Uh, and so Exactly. And yeah. so for... For everybody out there listening, we uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoy all of our episodes. Um, any kind of information, contact information, Instagrams and stuff will be posted in the description. As always, if you have thoughts, comments, and um, you know, questions that you want to share, reach out to us on uh, Instagram or our email, again, in the description for Anchor. Uh, but that's about all I got. T, why don't you go ahead and sign us off?
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Jeremy. Like, do appreciate you coming and sharing, and uh, yeah, hopefully this season starts soon. Hopefully February 5th. That's what the AHL says. And then today, what, January 15th is when hopefully the NHL starts. Hopefully we can get that all going. And, yeah, I just want some hockey back. Like, this is weird. (laughs) Looking outside where it's snowing, kind of, not really, but it's cold. It's literally hockey-feeling season kind of deal. And we're not watching hockey. Yeah, I'm watching the NHL network of reruns of games, but we should be playing games, like. We should be we should yeah. we should be in bed right now or getting ready for practice <laughs> tomorrow. But
2: exactly, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Same here in Quebec. I can tell you, everybody's just waiting for for hockey season to start again. Uh, it's super cold outside, a lot of snow, and like I said, we're kind of in that hockey feeling, I guess. But. Uh, Today was great news, I guess, with the NHL, you know, announcing the 13th or 15th of January. I don't really remember, but yeah,
1: something like that. Yeah. Yeah,
2: people are getting, uh, you know, pretty excited. But thanks, uh, thanks, guys, for having me with you guys. It was great to talk to you, and uh, hopefully, we can do this in our time.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Thank
2: you. Thanks
0: again, for the listeners, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.
1: And that was another episode of the ENT Podcast. Ian and I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode, so please,